This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. This evening we're going to be looking at Izmir, which is Smyrna, and then we'll be also studying uh, Sardis. Smyrna and Sardis. Okay. Um, these are all cities that we're going to be able to visit. These two, once again, are just chock full of uh, truth and interesting uh, background that are going to help us understand God's Word uh, even more clearly. And so, I want to make sure everybody's got the handout right. This should say week three on it. Welcome, folks. Do you have that? You haven't gotten that yet? Dave Bassnett. I bet you were praying or something when they slipped in. I was awake. I really was. Okay. So it's a modern Izmir, and that's what's on the itinerary. Smyrna is a city where when you're there, it has, modern Izmir has really just overtaken the ruins. So it's one of those situations where you're going to see some amazing ruins, but you've got to walk through, drive through neighborhoods and so on, so on to get there. Let's look at where it's located. We have studied Pergamus already. And you can see that it is straight south. But you'll notice that it's on a waterway. You see that channel that goes in there? That's a large port. That's a large inlet 30 miles from the Aegean. So that tells you how big and wide it is. Uh, one of the fun things, though, about being uh, in uh, Izmir is... Uh, you not only get to see the ruins, but you get to go down to the water, and uh, and, and it's just it's it's a, just a great place uh, to be. All right, now I want us to consider a couple other things, though. You see where it's at. Notice the roads that run. Now I'm going to mention that, and I want you to keep that in mind because as we study the significance of this city. You're going to see that's a major route. So with Rome, okay, the Aegean, and, and even the shipping coming in from Rome, from Italy, into these ports. Now Ephesus was a port, and it's all silted in. We'll get to see that. But this is, Smyrna is still an active port. But with these roads running across, uh, goods from Rome but mainly goods coming from the Roman territories, India. Other places are also coming through uh, across on these roads into these major cities and then over to the capital of the empire. So wanted to point that out for you. By way of history, Smyrna was once part of the great Lydian Empire. Sardis was the capital, and we're going to talk about Sardis next. But it was part of the great Lydian Empire before being conquered by Cyrus the Great. Where do you read about Cyrus in the Bible? Daniel. So he's conquered what is modern-day Iran. Iraq, Iran. And yet, all the way over here, right next to the Aegean, he's conquering territory too. That gives you an idea how big that empire was. Major, major empire. Okay, so he conquered this, and after the Greeks took the area from the Persians, uh, Lysimachus, and you can look him up online too and read about him. He was one of Alexander the Great's trusted bodyguards. And because he was so favored, he was given this city. Okay? But he rebuilt Smyrna 
and made it a walled fortress. So when we're there, there are remains of that major wall that goes around uh, the city. So it's next to a good harbor and on a major trading route to the interior. I've already pointed that out. It became a great trading center. Now in Roman times, Smyrna was considered the most brilliant city of Asia Minor. Now I want to just pause a minute. Remember this map, or this uh, illustration from last week? What city? Pergamum. Pergamum. Pergamus. Okay. And you look at that. Remember that big uh, theater on the side of that mountain? You go, wow, 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 wow. Do you know this was nothing compared to this city? And that's what those in antiquity wrote about it. Smyrna was the jewel as far as Asia Minor. Okay, let's, let's read on. In fact, Strabon, who is a Greek geographer and historian, said, now it's the most beautiful of all cities. It rivaled Pergamus. It rivaled Ephesus. The thing that's amazing about Ephesus, when we walk through those ruins, they just keep going and going and going. And you think, this city doesn't end. Well, Ephesus wasn't anything like Smyrna. Okay, it was established, or uh, I'm sorry, it was celebrated for its schools, its science, its medicine. As I was getting things ready, I had to think to myself, I wonder what Luke thought about Smyrna. Okay, because this was one of the places where the, the latest of the medicine and so on, the, the, the school that was here. Uh, and it was also uh, known as the home of the poet Homer. Now there were other cities that claimed to be his home too, but this is the one that antiquity uh, points to. So there he is. The Greeks were amazing in what they did with sculptors, we look at photos today and we can see somebody, they really did have the talent to be able to look at somebody and then carve it into stone. And we still have those images this many thousands of years later. Okay, so. Now are those buildings, are those from back then or have they been rebuilt? Okay, I'm gonna communicate, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know about that. Okay. So what, what they are doing today, and you can get online and look at some of these cities, they are taking the ruins that exist, and then based on the archeology span that they have, artists are portraying what used to sit on top of them. That's cool. And this is, so this, if you look closely at this imagery last week, you see here at the bottom, you actually see stone that is there with Pergamus. And that based on what archaeology has taught us about those ruins, artists, architects are putting on top of that stone, based on what we know, are rebuilding these cities. Okay, so uh, cat drawings, they, they're able to do all that. It's, it's really fascinating. Oh, by the way, you know what else is fascinating? Going back to what Homer looked like, they are finding skeletons or taking uh, the, the masks, you know, when they, what they used to do when people would die, and based on uh, what they have and, and computers and, and all of that, they are... Uh, they are showing us probably, and we know that modern forensics can do this, they're showing us what these people actually probably look like. Uh, I have seen the face of Alexander the Great's father. And, and it's, it's, but based on the technology they have and, and, and so on, what's interesting about Alexander the Great's dad is he received a major battle wound to his face. And so when you look at his, fa his face, there's that, there's that serious injury that he received in battle. Uh, 
So that's that's what this. Now I'm glad you asked about it because notice the temple structure based on the ruins that we're going to get to see. Notice the temple structure on top of that, and let's let's uh, let's consider that uh, next. As we continue to look at the history, on the slope of Mount Pegasus was a theater which seated 20,000 spectators. Okay, so Pergamus had that big one down the side of the mountain. When we get to Ephesus, you're going to see this other huge theater up the side of the mountain. 20,000 seats, this theater in Smyrna. Now here again is, remember that with this city, it's, they've continued to inhabit it. This was one of the largest inhabited cities in Asia Minor during the days of, of the Apostle Paul and, and the Apostle John. And so they've just continued to live in it. But from that theater, okay, based on the ruins that they uh, have out there, there's, that gives you an idea, with the harbor in the background, what the city uh, probably looked like. Artist rendition. So, it was huge. By the way, there was a major uh, structure built there in honor of Homer, called the Homerian. And uh, that, the ruins for that are in the city uh, also. Now let's talk about the religions. And this goes to the, the temples that uh, you have on in that one picture I gave you in the handout. 23 AD, a temple was built in honor of Tiberius and his mother Julia. A street named Golden connected the temples of Zeus and Sibyl. It seemed, though, that the Jews of Smyrna were more antagonistic to Christianity then were the Romans. I'm going to just pause for a moment. We see these massive cities, these beautiful cities, these cities where there was a lot of wealth, trading is going on, uh, oratory, these theaters, they would pack them out and they would have plays in there, uh, they would have orators speak. So you had all this civilization, but it wasn't so civil when it came to Christianity. You got to remember the backdrop of this, and, and when we're talking about the churches of Revelation, the persecution is just starting to heat up. You have Nero on the throne, and it gets worse from there. Okay, it's going to get worse. And so, what we know about Smyrna is this, and there's actually a church that we'll visit in honor of Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of John the Apostle. But notice here, it seems that the Jews of Smyrna were more antagonistic. Tradition says that even on a Saturday, the Sabbath, Jews brought wood for the fire in which Polycarp was burned alive. What's interesting about Polycarp is <clears throat> we believe he was a Roman citizen. But Smyrna was one of those cities where you didn't have to have the approval of Rome to deal with someone you thought was a criminal. And so the Jews helped bring the wood, and the bishop of Smyrna, the pastor of the church in Smyrna, Polycarp, was burned alive. Now keep that in mind because when we, uh, when we read what happened to Polycarp happened after Revelation was written. But it's as though the Lord is preparing that church for what's going to happen. And when we visit the church, there, uh, right there at the church is the tomb of Polycarp, where uh, they believe he's buried. So they violated their Sabbath to kill him. Didn't Even matter. Yeah, yeah, it didn't matter. Right. But at least in Smyrna, it appears that the Jews were 
more devout. Wait till we get to the next city. And we'll, we'll show you some things there. Okay. Uh, so, you'll walk through Roman ruins in Smyrna and and you'll realize this this what a magnificent city it would take your breath away this it was greater than Ephesus greater than uh, these other cities and yet yet when it came to Christians there was awful persecution so just a little bit of a teaser here realize that what the Lord says to Smyrna he writes to the other churches and with all but one other church, he not only commends, but he condemns. Smyrna is the only church where there's no condemnation. And you need, to, you need to keep that in mind. All right. So let's talk about the church now. Believed to have been founded by believers out of the ministry in Ephesus who are taking the gospel to their neighbors. You've seen that before. Ephesus was a church that missionary-minded. Uh, God used them. And part of the reason they're missionary-minded is because John the Apostle is the pastor there. And we know that the Apostles, their entire lives were on fire for God. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about that. So take your Bibles and let's go to Revelation 2. We're going to be looking at some passages specifically. Now this church is only mentioned in the book of Revelation. Polycarp, the well-known pastor of Smyrna, was a disciple of John the Apostle. We do know that. All right, so what does Jesus say to this church? Revelation chapter 2, let's look. Uh, let's just take the time quickly to read what he says uh, to this flock of believers. Let's go back to verse 8. These things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. They're zealous, they're devout, they're not doing God's work. They are the tools of Satan. Stop for a moment and compare what was happening up in Pergamos, where Satan's seat is. Their pagans are being used by Satan. Okay? Antipas died up there, right? Yes, Sam? Any idea what the year was when Polycarp it was AD. Well, again, he was a disciple of John. Um, so I would have to look that up. I should have put that in here for you. I think we were reading about that before. Somewhere around 80. I just don't remember. 70 to 80 in there. I just don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Um, So the Lord says, I know thy works. I also know what the Jews are doing. But they're not Jews, really. They're, they're not the true seed of Abraham. They're persecuting the true seed of Abraham. Remember, the true seed of Abraham are those who believe God and it's counted unto them for righteousness. Right? Right. Verse 10 Fear none of these things which shall, thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. So, nothing negative said to Smyrna. I know thy works, tribulation, poverty, many believers, doubtless, belong to the city's guilds. I know you're poor. You were rich, but you're still rich. And now you know, looking at the location of that city, major trade city, uh, 
like Pergamos, the guilds, the wealth. It was, and yet many Bible scholars think because of their faith in Christ, they were facing destitution. People wouldn't do business with them. Outcasts. Okay. Verse 13. I know the blasphemy of them which say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. The Jews there were not true children of Abraham, but were being used by Satan to persecute those who were. More encouragement. Verse 10. Ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now when I preach through Revelation, we really exposited and went deeply into these texts. I'm just hitting some uh, highlights here for us. Uh, I pointed out though when we, when we looked at this text, isn't it wonderful that the Lord sees? He's managing the universe. We are a speck on a speck, but He knows. He knows the names of people like Antipas up in Pergamos. Okay? He knows names. He also knows when we suffer, how long we're going to suffer. He's got it all down. We're not told in the text what these ten days mean. We do know from Scripture that sometimes a day represents a period of time. The ten days here could be a literal period of bloodletting in the city where there was a ten day period where it was an all-out assault on the church. And then it stopped. Or it could speak of persecution under ten realms, ten uh, emperors. And what's interesting is that at this point you have ten more Roman emperors who are going to severely persecute the church, and then you'll have Constantine and it'll stop. At this point, the seated emperor and then the rest of them, ten emperors. Which one or both? God knows. But that's what he said to him to encourage him. Look, this is... Your situation is not out of control. What is happening to you and what's happening to Christians in the other cities, I know. I know your names. And I've got this. That's encouraging. Okay? Any questions about Smyrna? How would the order come down through the emperor's something that the emperors knew ahead of time. They said, this is the time to... Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, because it would have to be successive. You know, one emperor is trying... I don't even know. Was there like a hierarchy? One emperor is trying to outdo the other, the next, and the next. You know, so is the severity more each time? And how long would each emperor want it? As long as each emperor lasted. <laughs> okay, remember we talked about the Roman roads? There was something else significant about those roads. They used them to conquer. You could move armies quickly. But those roads allowed for quick communication. On those roads, you could news could travel quickly. And so... The question that I would ask, see, we have to take what information we're given in the New Testament, uh, especially the book of Acts. Why did persecution come in some of these cities? Various reasons. In Philippi, they just, you know, a couple businessmen in the city who no longer can take advantage of a demon-possessed girl, they're ticked, they go to the magistrate, and these, these guys get beaten. I mean, sometimes it was just that shallow. Uh, a riot scene in Ephesus, they all go end up in the, uh, that big theater, and a leader in the city is able to stand on the stone platform of that thing 
and somehow verbally, the acoustics are great, but he's able to get everybody's attention and to say to them, knock it off. Because if Rome hears about this, we've had it. Stop already. Let's figure this thing out. Because Rome didn't want this. They didn't want trouble. They had enough to deal with. Um, but then, do you remember... Uh, Paul had some, he had a married couple on his missions team, Aquila and Priscilla. Do you remember what nationality they were? They were Jewish. How did Paul run into them in Corinth? Well, if you read the text, and I, was it Diocletian? It was one of the emperors had banned all Jews from Rome. Made them leave. So, they're, so they're, the Jews are being persecuted by some of these guys too. And so it's just the dynamic. You had, you had emperors who were related to the next emperor and, and all of them thought they were gods. They were treated like gods. And where does that lead? Anytime a man sets himself up as God and people are worshiping, uh, we have a modern example of that. Has anybody heard of emperor... Hiroshita. Go through the MacArthur Museum downtown Norfolk, and here's a guy that they were worshiping as a as a deity, and all of the Pacific Rim paid the price, especially the Philippines. Yep. Unbelievable. Okay. All right. So Satan Satan had that whole thing worked up, and 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 so these. This was being carried out in these cities. What's exciting about a trip like this is we're going to walk through these cities, we're going to walk through these ruins, and we're going to realize God built churches in these places. We can go to Acts and we can read sometimes what the very accounts of what happened, and then we can go to the book of Revelation and know there were established churches that had pastors to the angel at the church at Ephesus right. That messenger is the pastor. Established churches with a pastor, and they were serving in these cities. Various, you know, things were happening in the church. But we get to see now what was really happening through the commentary of Jesus, who really knows. And if I saying these things can't get you to sign up for this trip, I, I don't know what I'm like. <laughs> I'm not just trying to get you to sign up. All right. Any any other thoughts? Any other questions? Yeah, I was wrong on the date. I mixed up with somebody else. Polycarp was put to death February 23rd, 155 AD. Okay. All right. And really the date that everybody kind of the primary date for that era and it's not it wasn't even so much when Jesus died it was the fall of Jerusalem and when did that happen 70 okay so by the fall of Jerusalem most I think gotta be careful here just about all the apostles are martyred by that point okay um and so it's the disciples now of the disciples that are, are carrying on. Polycarp carried on quite a while after that. He did. He did. Well, you think about the lifespan of the Apostle John. Now, he was the youngest of the disciples. But, um, yeah, for his disciple, for Polycarp to die when he did, remember, John is banished to Patmos, and then an emperor releases him off that island. And he goes back to Ephesus and finishes his life ministering there. All right. More fun stuff awaits. Sardis. Let's take a look. It's modern cert. There's not much there. there. It's really just a village. And we'll get to eat some of the village cuisine when we're there. But notice where Sardis is at. Smyrna by the water, Sardis is more inland, okay, just about straight west. 
kind of get an idea where the other uh, cities there are located. History. It stood on the north slope of Mount Tolmus, had an acropolis that occupied one of the towering spurs. At the base flowed the river uh, Pathoclus, which served as a moat, rendering the city practically impregnable. Uh, Through the failure of the watches, the military on those walls, way up there, not paying attention, and that's going to be important, because what is said to the church is, the Lord's going to bring their history and their surroundings in to try to make spiritual, uh, teach them spiritual lessons. Okay? Through the failure of those soldiers, those sentries, the Acropolis had been successfully breached twice. 549 by a Persian soldier, and again in 218 by a Cretan, or a Greek soldier. So here's what the story is, and maybe you've heard preachers tell this story. Sometimes they'll tell it in the context of what is said to Sardis. There was no way to take this Acropolis humanly. Uh, <clears throat> military masterminds had built what was on top of that mountain uh, over 900 feet straight up. We'll show you a picture in a little bit. But you had... Um, you had forward troops that, that just went and, and just stayed at the base of that mountain and just watched it, trying to figure out a way. It happened with the Persian army, happened with the Greek army, trying to figure out a way, how do we take that fortress? And as they were down there, and I don't, I don't remember which one it was, which, which army it was, but as they watched, a sentry up on those walls leaned over to look, and he dropped his helmet. Clink, 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 clink. Okay. And they just watched, and he came out of the fortress and made his way down to get the helmet and then made his way back up, and the guys hiding in the bushes are like, ding, ding, ding. That's the way in. So it was carelessness. They get defeated by the Persians. Later they get defeated by the Greeks and it's for the very same reason. They're not being watchful. Got to keep that in mind when we see what the Lord says to the church in a little bit here. Now earthquakes were common in this part of the world. AD 17, the city was destroyed by such a tremor. The Roman Emperor Tiberius remitted the taxes he didn't make them pay taxes until they could rebuild the city. And in his honor, the citizens of, uh, of that and the neighboring towns erected a large monument. But Sardis, after that earthquake, never recovered its former uh, importance. And that's uh, ISBE, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. By the way, it's interesting to read ISBE and then get online and see how many quote is B. Not always given credit <laughs> where they should. Alright. Now Artemis was the main goddess of the city and the temple dedicated to her in Sardis was one of the seven largest Greek temples. Once again take this out. This is the temple complex Pergamos. But here's what you need to understand. More than double the size. Okay? More than double the size. Um, of this, and then, of course, the Parthenon refers to, in Athens, that massive temple up there. This was bigger. Artemis, known by Diana, okay, as Diana by the Romans. By the way, great is Diana of the... Where was the main temple... Uh, to Diana in, in Ephesus. Yeah. Okay, so they, they all had, they were all trying to honor these deities. But Artemis, known as Diana by the Romans, was the daughter of Zeus and twin of Apollo. 
She was the goddess of the hunt, the moon, fertility. Now you're going to, I think, like this next picture. I'll give you the big version. You've got it in your notes. All right, here is that massive temple or what's left of it. all grown over God's earth is just taken, taken back over this massive temple. So you can see these ruins, but here's what's fascinating to me. Look up in the background. 900 plus feet straight up. That's where that fortress, and you can see some of the ruins of it off to the side. But to take the city, you didn't just conquer down here. Because they heard you were coming and they all fled to up there. So if you're going to take the city, you've got to take the Acropolis. And the cities were built on purpose with these mountains in the background. I've already I told you about Corinth. You go to Corinth, here are the ruins, and it all comes from the sea, from the port, up through the the uh, business district, the temple district, and then straight up, there's the Acropolis of Corinth. They all had it. That's how they survived. Any questions? Is there any history on how long it took the buildings of the Acropolis of Corinth? There is. There is. You have a couple things happening. You have empires that are conquering empires. Going all the way back to Persian times. So Babylon, Persia, then Greece, they already had civilizations and cities in these places. Sometimes, and we're going to talk about this when we, as we go on and learn more about this city, sometimes they just continue to improve on what was there. Sometimes they took it all down and rebuilt. Built something to... Some of these people were so full of themselves. These rulers had egos bigger than earth. And so it wasn't good enough that somebody else built this amazing structure. Not good enough. I'm going to tear it down. I'm going to make it better. It's not mine. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. Or in the case of Jerusalem, those of us that were there, remember Herod's Jerusalem? Remember what that Temple Mount looked like? It didn't matter that a Roman ruler had built that. Herod was not, I mean, he was a, a Jewish puppet, but he was, he was as Roman as they come. It didn't matter that he had built that thing. These people defied Rome, and they took it down to the pavement. What did Jesus say? There won't be one of these stones left on the other. That's exactly what the Roman army did under um, Titus 70 AD. Okay. Now I'm glad the conversation is going this way because I'm going to tell you a story that they told us when we visited Sardis. So I'm not okay. I'm not trying to. Uh, this is just I'm just giving you a little bit of what they're gonna what they're gonna be telling us what we're gonna be seeing uh, in these in these cities. Okay, um, <clears throat> well let me just tell the story. This is a good time to tell. So you take a bus and you drive up to these ruins. You get to see up to the Acropolis, and then behind you, I'm going to show you some other pictures of what we're going to see. So we're down here, and, and the tour guide is talking about this destruction. And talks about the fact that, and this was even before this was built. I think this was between Persia and Greece. But I think it was the Greek army came in, and they're, they're burning everything. And all of a sudden, the ruler who's, been, who's being conquered just starts laughing. He's laughing, and it stops everything, and, and the... The commander in charge is saying, what are you laughing at? And he says, none of this is mine. You're burning what is yours. <laughs> and he's like, aha moment. 
And he stops. He makes them stop. Stop burning it. It's ours. And, you know, it's just like these guys didn't even, I mean, they're just bloodlust and tear it down and burn it. And, and, oh, yeah, this is mine. Stop. Stop the fire. But that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing that, that went on here in these, these cities. All right. So a large complex built in the center of the lower city in the 2nd century AD included a gymnasium and a bathhouse. The complex uh, was over five acres in size, and its western part was characterized by large vaulted halls for bathing. The eastern part was a palestra, a large open courtyard for exercise. So this, this is bigger, this is just bigger than it looks, and it's only part of it. So you can see where the rest of the structure was, but it's massive. What was this? The gym and the bathhouse. And, you know, the, these rooms, you just you stand there and try to imagine, you know, what was the rest of it like? If that was there, what, you know, what was the rest of it like? Yes. Um, in Israel, we, so when we went to that one of those houses, is it the same that we didn't see over there? They're similar. They're similar. Uh, this is probably bigger than anything we saw in Israel. Yeah. There's something else interesting, though, that, you, that we're going to see in Sardis. The synagogue of Sardis was notable for its size and location. In size, one of the largest ancient synagogues excavated. In addition, it's found in the center of the urban ce uh, center. And here, here's what's amazing. Right next to that Roman gym we just saw. What does that tell us? It was there... And by the way, next to the Roman baths. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that the Roman baths, modesty, not. Okay, no. In fact, we learned some things just about, you know, remember Tiberius and some of those other, not Tiberius, um, Those Roman ruins we saw, what was that Roman city? Right next to where they took the bodies of Saul and his sons and, and tacked them to the wall up on the hill. We got to see the modern Roman city, what would have been. Anyway, and and they we got to, remember the Roman bathroom? <laughs> yeah, there was modern plumbing. But just anybody went in there. And anyway, okay. So I'm painting a picture for you on purpose when it came to modesty, discretion, morals, not in Rome. In Sardis, do you know where the synagogue was? It shared a common wall with this gymnasium. And historians look back and they say, okay, there was something different about the Jews in this city. Are you, are you following me? Okay. Something different. Instead of um, being on the outskirts and separated, okay, these were really Hellenistic Jews. They had a synagogue, but they just want to be part of the culture. So, it attests to the strength, wealth, and uh, secularization of the Jewish community in the city. Here, here's what historians say about the Jews in Sardis. They were just accepted like everybody else. In other words, they didn't believe anything that set them apart really from their Roman neighbors. You do what you do, we do what we do, we're all friends, you're good, we're good. In fact, we'll build this massive, uh, impressive 
religious house of worship right next to your gym. So what? Okay. What does the Lord say then to the church at Sardis? And we'll, we're just about done here. Look at Revelation 3 then. Verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. When we looked at that, there's only one Holy Spirit, right? But where does the Holy Spirit abide? In us. How many of us are there tonight? How many believers in this room? 8, 10, 12, 14 of us. Are there 14 Holy Spirits? Nope. One Spirit, but personally present in each of our lives. What's the point here? It doesn't matter where Christians are. The Holy Spirit is present. He's there. Okay. Uh, seven Spirits of God. How many churches are being uh, written to? There are seven. Where's the Holy Spirit? In every church and in every believer. That's the point. I know thou works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. Sardis, over the years, had been known. If you said Sardis to a Roman walking through the streets in Rome or Athens, oh yeah, I know where that's at. The history, the magnificence, the strength, had a name, but multiple times that city had been killed. It had been taken down. Had a name, but it continued to die. And the Lord is saying, as a church, all the other churches, Ephesus, Pergamos, all those other churches, oh yeah, we know about the first church in Sardis. But what God knew about that church is, it names Christ, but it's dead. Sadly, is it possible for churches today around the world and here in the United States to have a name, have a past, dead as a doornail? Okay, hence the warning. Now, remember what we said about the Acropolis and the two times that that was conquered? Think about what those people in Sardis knew about their history and what would come to their mind when the Lord says this in verse 2? Be watchful and strengthen the things which, were, uh, which remain that are ready to what? Die. They're ready to be conquered. For I have not found my works perfect before God. The word perfect, complete. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Again, the Lord's wanting them to be right. If therefore thou wilt not, what's the word? Watch. There it is again. If you won't remain watchful, I will come on thee as a thief. I'm going to sneak in. How, how did that city get conquered? They snuck in. Okay. And thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. Surprise attack. So they know their history. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to do it again. Only not as an enemy. I'm going to come and I'm going to deal with you as my children. Now, is that everybody? Does the guilt of some mean the whole church is guilty? No! Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So, Repeatedly, the city had been destroyed by conquerors in an earthquake, but was rebuilt. It flourished until finally the Turks destroyed it for good, 1402. The church, like the city, had a recognized name, but was spiritually dead. 
So be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. The Acropolis stood over 900 feet above the lower city, but it had been overcome twice because the sentinels had not been watchful for the enemies below. Hence the warning in verse 3, Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come unto you as a thief. Okay? So there's also a stern warning in verses 4 and 5 about their names for Christ being corrupted by the paganism and the corrupt Judaism in the city. And we read that. All right. So we are here to maintain the name of Christ. Okay. Just like in their cities, those believers, that was their responsibility. So uh, that needs to remain our focus. What did Jesus say to the disciples in the garden? Watch and pray. Otherwise you'll be overcome. We must remain watchful. Any any closing comments? Questions? Alright. I hope that even as we're having these discussions, you won't look at these churches in Revelation the same way. Alright. Father, thank you for the time together tonight. Please give safety as we head to our homes. Help us to keep your name as the only name that matters in our lives. As we go about our business uh, tomorrow as we're a testimony. Thank you that because we know Christ, our names won't be removed from the book of life. Uh, but Father, there are those whose names will be removed if they do not believe on you. And so help our lives and our testimonies to influence them for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.